Oh, hi. Welcome, 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 my lovely lumps. What should I say lovely labs? I don't know. They're both good. <laughs> I'm so thrilled to have you here in the Labia Lounge to yarn about all things sexuality, womanhood, holistic health, and everything in between. Your legs. <laughs> oh, cringe. I couldn't help myself. Anyway, I am your host, Freya Graff, and I am a holistic sex coach and educator and yoni mapping therapist. So basically, I make my living massaging vaginas and teaching people about sex. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> so as you can imagine, we are going to have vag loads of real chats with real people about real shit. So buckle up, you're about to receive the sex ed that you'd never had and have a bloody good laugh while you're at it. Before we get stuck in though, I would like to respectfully acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I'm recording this podcast, the Manang people. It's an absolute privilege to be living and creating dope podcast content on Noongar country and I pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Now, if y'all are ready, let's flap and do this. <laughs> oh, is there such thing as having too many vagina jokes in the one intro? Whatever. I'm leaving it in. It's my podcast. Don't panic, you're not broken. Your sex education was a piece of shit. Get your flaps out and pull up a couch. It's the Lemmy Hello, my beauties. I have a super special guest today called Carlin, and Carlin specializes in guiding folk through transformational processes, drawing upon her training in yoni mapping therapy, tantric bodywork, and sacred sexuality, conscious birth, breathwork mastery, life coaching, yoga, oh, far out, Brussels sprout. Her work is trauma sensitive, and the focus is on soothing the nervous system integration of unresolved past events and empowering people to tap into their own healing capacity. Oh, beautiful. She's the mother of a gorgeous and sassy six-year-old girl. And this is a big part of why I'm getting her on today to chat about how to create a body positive, sex positive, feminine positive home environment and how to parent your children in a really sex positive, shame-free way. So, I actually met Carlin, uh, as you might have guessed, at my Yoni Mapping Therapy training um, years ago, maybe five years probably, with Bonnie Bliss, and I experienced her breath work as well. She actually uh, held space for me as the biggest blubbering hot mess I've probably ever been. It was pretty epic, um, and I've just been deeply grateful to her ever since, and we've remained friends, and... I um I wanted to do this episode about, you know, parenting, conscious parenting, sex positive parenting, and she just popped into my mind immediately because um, Carlin used to, or maybe still does, run trainings and workshops on this topic. So welcome, Carlin, my dear. How are you going? Uh, thank you, Freya. I'm going really well. Super stoked to be here talking to you about our favorite topics that we love um yeah so thanks for inviting me love this stuff oh pleasure treasure actually you're so <laughs> I sent Carlin some little voices being like hey girl I'm starting a podcast do you want to be on it and chat about these you know juicy topics and her voicey back was so priceless I feel like actually would you mind if I just played a snippet of it is that is that weird no go for it. all right so I don't know how fine. this is gonna go in the mic off my phone and there's like really like a deep scene of crickets going on in the background so this is pretty unconventional but you know we're gonna give it a go because it was so good oh yeah geez I you know let me think about that um fuck, fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, so good! I was like, "Oh, bummer!" It sounds. Like, oh my god, yes, she's on board. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it! I love it. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. I get um, excited. Yeah. Oh, me too. Preach, sister. I I get pretty 
my glasses have fogged up right now. I don't know if you can relate to this, but I, I like get a bit of a like face sweat on sometimes when I'm excited and my glasses fog up. It's um, <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre. It's a thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's a thing. It's totally a thing. And I made myself a cup of tea that I'm now going to let sit there and go cold and forget about. But I had a couple of sips, and boy, oh boy, did that steam me up. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't take much hey seriously uh, anyway so <laughs> I'm really excited to chat today I think it's such an important topic and um and yeah like just mm. to start us off I'd love you to tell the listeners a little bit about what mm. you do and you know you do yoni mapping you do breath work you do all sorts of stuff but in there I notice you also call yourself an erotic educator and I know people are going to be thinking, what does that look like? What the fuck is that? So please tell mm. us. Well, um, it's really, there is such a lack of, of good quality and, and correct information, as, as you know, about pleasure, about eroticism and about women's bodies and about orgasm, etc. And I just by doing from doing the yoni mapping um, and also on my own personal journey too I'm just it seems like I'm just saying the same thing to women over and over and over and over again Mm -hmm. about how their bodies work about what what how sexuality is supposed to be about um, what what happens with orgasms and how they happen and also it's so very easy for us to think that we're broken and that there's something wrong with us because we're not, you know, we're not having an orgasm as soon as we stick a dildo in or, or, a, or a penis or something in there, you know. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, and so the, the education part of it I think is just so, so crucial and it actually doesn't take much for women to realise or people, shall we say, to realize, oh, hang on a second, I just didn't have the correct information, or I, I haven't been. Uh, society isn't hasn't been supporting me to to realize that. Oh, it's actually okay for me to have pleasure, and it's actually not that complicated. We just need to learn how. So that's that's the erotic education um, side of things, and um, yeah, I just started doing an online course too for that, so I could teach actually teach. With more women at one time, all this information because I think it's so crucial. Because we're mm. still, we're still kind of, we still don't know. You know, Betty Dodson, who was one of the original um, sex educators from forty years ago, she started this mission, and she died at ninety four last year. And I looked at, I watched her last interview, and the stuff that she was telling me that inspired her 40 years ago to teach women about their bodies and orgasm is the same thing that I've got women coming mm. every week saying the same things and it's just like, wow, you know, we really need to supercharge forward because there's so much juicy fun to be had with our bodies and it should be just a natural thing rather than a big a big, big, scary um, kind of mountain to climb. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I resonate with that a lot. That is something that I find cropping up in my work constantly. I would say it's pretty similar for anyone working in this realm of sex education or sexuality. And um, I mm. often feel as though, you know, so there's there's obviously people like you and I and like, oh, my God, Betty Dodson, ah, epic. But yet <laughs> there's so much work to do and so much like deep-seated trauma and cultural conditioning and crappy messages in the media. And, you know, then there's like things like religion or um, the family environment that a child grew up in that are all contributing often to a pretty like stigma filled taboo shame and guilt fraught relationship with bodies Mm. and sexuality and then that's you know when people rock up on my doorstep or your doorstep and need some help like releasing some of that shame and, and replacing those beliefs and rewiring their entire you know belief system around this sort of thing and I I feel like 
there's more and more and more stuff out there now. There's more resources. There's, you know, there's lots of things popping up in even mainstream media that are quite sex positive, which is wonderful. Um, and I usually yes. recommend people to just find as many books or Instagram accounts or friends or, you know, like as many sources of information and conversation and input to put into their brains that's going to counter all the other input that we've had over our whole lives and the intergenerational Mm. trauma and beliefs. And so, you know, that's why I think it's super, super, super important uh, to place a lot of focus on how as a parent you can create an environment that's going to be as positive and shame-free and, you know, judgment-free as possible so that at least that's not just yet another thing that's contributing to like the plethora of other, you know, ways that a person's going to end up with a heap of shitty attitudes around their bodies and sex. So I'm really stoked Mm. that, you know, you're doing the work you do and I'm doing the work that I do and you're a parent. I'm just so excited when I meet parents who are doing the work for themselves and and then passing that on to their children. And I'd love to know Mm. a bit about your journey to getting into doing this work. Um, I mean, obviously not everyone wakes up you know, goes to class when they're in grade two and is like, I want to be a sex educator. You know, it's usually something that we come across through our own growth journey. Um, and and I'd yeah. love to know what your experience was like growing up in your family and how how sex was talked about about and how you know the the kind of things like periods and genitals. You know, how how was your home environment when it came to this stuff? A total nightmare it was um there were we did they didn't talk we didn't talk about it um it was um pretty pretty taboo and uh, uncomfortable clearly uncomfortable um so and in terms of so I just got the normal really horrible uh school you know sex education which was awful and uncomfortable and terrifying and then when I got my period, my my mum was just she just burst into tears. Like, oh, I was twelve, so I was still a kid, really. Like, really, I was just a kid, and she burst into tears, and she was like, "Oh my god, my little girl's growing up." I'm sitting there looking down between my legs with my undies there and a pad covered in blood, just going, "What the fuck is going on? Why are you fucking crying? Like, you know why? This is really weird. I feel awful." <laughs> so I, it wasn't it wasn't great it wasn't great at all I also had um around that time I had a an abusive uh boyfriend and he the first entrance to my yoni was him um yeah like roughly really really roughly um fingering me with this really awful look in his face so apologies if that is triggering for anybody um should have probably done a little trigger warning on that um and I was just like whoa like this is not great so this is weird this is this is awful and um yeah so from those experiences I just didn't really I never masturbated when I was a kid I didn't really it was all a bit weird it was all very mysterious and you know, the first sexual experiences as, as well were just just very disconnected and I was actually searching for love and um, acknowledgement that I wasn't getting elsewhere, not reali- mm. really realising that. And so the journey, it has, has been very, very vast. So I went from that to... Um, And I I got married when I was 23 as well. And that was a very beautiful, loving relationship, but not, not, we weren't, we we just weren't mature sexually. So, and it wasn't, that didn't happen very often. And we just sort of didn't know what to do. Uh, Fortunately, though, I was doing a lot of work on myself with yoga and with breath work. And I was really like, un, like unraveling myself from my conditioning of my upbringing so I was working on myself on other levels which was releasing me from a stuckness and 
definitely the yoga helped awaken my body and um, I did have, um, I kind of had a, a sexual awakening when not until I was 33, 33, 34. And, but then once it, once I kind of opened the door to it, it just was really, really intense and a very, very, very amazingly, um, even psychedelic, really strong sexual, um, experience, which is a whole nother story for a whole nother time. Mm-hmm. But, I think, yeah, whole another story for a whole another time. But it immediately catapulted me into it transformed me, my relationship with myself and my body so much that I was like, I have to learn and about this and train in this. And so I, that's how I got into tantra and sacred sexuality, um, and started kind of yeah going on my own exploration under the guidance of a couple of really great mentors until it naturally came to the to the place to to start sharing it outside, you know, in in the world. So, yeah, that's a a little bit. It's a little little tip of the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> never just a straightforward, linear, wham bam, thank you, ma'am, journey with this stuff. Is nah. it? That's definitely yeah. Well, a lot more it's under the not, surface. despite what. <laughs> Despite what we think it can be, it's not a wham bam. Thank you, ma'am. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no shortcuts, guys. Um, cool. Nah. And so, what's like? What's the most present thing that you're doing in your work at the moment? Are you still offering the teachings and trainings for parents around parenting children um, in a sex positive way, or are you focusing on on other things mainly at the moment? Um, I'm, I'm going to eventually look at working with Lily Isabella, who, you know, Mm -hmm. as well. Um, and she, with the courageous conversations, um, but at the Mm -hmm. moment I'm mostly working with, yeah, with the yoni mapping and and with adults. Um, but yeah, very keen to, to work with the younger people because, because everyone, every person who comes along was like, comes along and has a session is they say oh my god I wish I had this session when I was a teenager how do how can we get this information to younger people so they don't go so the journey of of self-discovery um and and sexual discovery and pleasure discovery is as as minimally um what's the word for it like just a minute we're all there's always going to be experiences that weren't that great but to to minimize the really horrible ones and the you know the ones that kind of leave a scar for life type thing um I think it could a lot of that could be helped by just teaching our kids and and being open with our kids and our young people um about about all the different aspects of it particularly the the normal functioning of of our bodies and in terms of pleasure and arousal because mm. it doesn't have to be weird it doesn't have to be taboo and it doesn't have to be shameful it's it should be like a normal natural part of our education is my that's my um my take on it and I think you you as well like all of us who are sex educators and, and people who have this experience is like we really need to change this <laughs> yeah Oh my God, totally. I've, I've had people, um, come to workshops of mine, come up to me afterwards and it's either, Oh my God. And same with clients. Oh my God. Why didn't I learn this when I was younger? How can I talk to my kids about this? Or can I bring my children to a workshop like this? Do you offer something like this? How do I actually bring this into the home? Because I think, yeah, everyone starts Mm. to realize, oh my God, if only this stuff were common knowledge and normalized when I was Mm. younger, all of that damage wouldn't have been done. All of the trauma and the shame and the guilt I hold around my pleasure. Like I just can't even count how many clients or even just friends, people, anyone I speak to about this stuff, Mm -hmm. how many people say, yeah, so when I was a kid my mom caught me touching myself and she yelled at me and said oh that's disgusting don't touch yourself there and then ever since then I haven't really masturbated or self-pleasured I feel like it's a bit dirty I feel a lot of guilt and shame around pleasure and it's just like 
fuck, you know? It's those yeah. pivotal moments in the formative years mm-hmm. that really do stay with us for the rest of our lives and shape shape the way that we express ourselves sexually and, and in the world as humans, you know? So, oh, my God, I totally yep. hear you on that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then um, and it should just be but. Yeah, it's separating it out as well, like separating it out like sex is this separate thing. and Mm. But actually if we're not healthy and functioning well and and sexually, it does have a knock-on effect to the rest of our lives. Like we Mm. go into shutdown or we, you know, our our sexual um, energy and desires can potentially become a little bit distorted and we start, you know, wanting to have extreme experiences and it just doesn't have to be that way at all, you know. It does not have to be. It should be just a, a part of, of our how we express ourselves in the world for sure, yeah. Mm, yeah, it's yeah. a biggie. It's a big juicy topic, this one. <laughs> it's a biggie. I hope you brought your steak knife and your bib because <laughs> juice is going to be dripping down your chin. Oh, sorry, vegans. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> um <laughs> That segues me kind of perfectly into a little segment that I call Get Pregnant and Die. Don't have sex because you will get pregnant and die. Don't have sex in the missionary position. Don't have, don't have sex standing up. Just don't do it. Promise? Which is a Mean Girls reference <laughs> if you aren't aware. <laughs> And I get people to tell me a story about how their sex education failed them or, you know, affected them negatively. Um, it could be a story from your sex education or it could be a friend or a client's. Got anything for me? Um, I think, uh, yeah, well, I'll reference my own because I think it just terrified me. You know, it, it terrified me, the the, the way that, that it was portrayed, uh, that that we were told, um, okay, so this is what happens and if you don't be careful then you'll get um, some kind of horrible disease and or you'll get pregnant and you'll have to deal with unwanted pregnancies. And that just, that just terrified me. So there was no, mm. and, and as a result of that, um, there was no, I did not know about that, that that my pleasure was important and that it could feel nice for me. I was just mm. um, trying to do the things that that were that I thought were good for the other person. So, and that just doesn't work, you know. And mm. as a result, so here's 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 one of my. I don't tell a lot of people this. I've got a little secret for you. Um, <laughs> as a result, ooh, juicy. As a result, I just started um, faking orgasms, like yeah. having sex and faking orgasms. And from from the get-go, from whenever I started having sex, which is about 16 or something, and then until, until I was with, um, yeah, a boyfriend when I was like 20, 21 or something, and he was just like, you know, I know. You know, you know, I know. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I know you're not actually coming. I'm like, yes, I am. What? How, how dare you? Of course I am. Like, and that's so shame, 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 shame. We didn't last very long after that because I couldn't hack it. Um, well, it, it just went, it just went pear shaped after that. But that was the kind of thing that to, to not understand what actually happens and to not understand. To, to not be educated as to how my body works and how my pleasure and is part of the process, then I was just like, okay, I know what I'm doing. Yep, I'm just the dick goes in, and then I just go, ah, 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 and you know, <laughs> shame job, shame job. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, after that, though, I never faked it again. After that, after being so humiliated like that, I was like, okay, I'm not doing this again. I'm not. I'm not doing it. I'm. I'm going to learn. <laughs> I'm gonna. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and worthwhile, I would say. Because um, before then, had you not had an orgasm at all, like be, with yourself either, or just not with a partner? No. No, just not at all. 
Yeah. No, not at all. And then when you did uh, discover the pleasure that was accessible to you in, you know, your first orgasmic experience, was that through self-pleasuring or was that with a partner? That was with a partner. So I remember only through my 20s I, I masturbated a tiny little bit, not very much because, and I've heard this from other people as well, is that I would get to this point where um, because I didn't actually know what I was doing and how to work my body, I would just feel nice and then it would get to this point where everything was like swollen and at this point where the arousal was really intense but it was actually painful. It hurt. Mm. It was like aching and I couldn't get over the edge and that was really frustrating. So my actual, my first orgasm was um, was with uh, a partner on a train <laughs> oh, <laughs> heading wow. down from 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 here to Melbourne we were starting a new life and um that would have been when I was 21 22 mm-hmm. and yeah it happened while we were having a little fondle on the train and I was like oh my god 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 <laughs> and I went over the edge I was like oh, I think it had it had oh my gosh I just had one. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a story. <laughs> oh, what a way to usher in a new life. You would have just been like, oh, my God, this is the one. <laughs> yeah. Well, we did get married. He was my first husband. That was my first oh, husband. Oh, yeah. Wow, beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Epic. I love mm. stories like that. Oh. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I, it, pro- yeah. It was probably assisted by the um, being on the train. I feel like the first time I felt even the slightest inkling of a bit of like pleasure down there was on the school bus. Like it would happen every now and then. And I think <gasps> yeah. it's the vibrations of like, you know, public transport just does it. <laughs> <laughs> Take note, people. Public transport. Yeah. Uh, Do it consciously and it there's so much <laughs> so much public transport in Melbourne. Just take a book, oh like, grab uh, some headphones, chuck on a sexy playlist. You heard it here first. <laughs> yep, yep, there you go. Uh, Pleasure trams. <laughs> When we say like jump on the pleasure train and you're the hi- pleasure highway, or, you know how we use that language a little bit in in sort of like when you're yep. kind of trying to explain um, pleasure pathways and stuff. Yeah, I mean it's so literal, mm-hmm. actually. <laughs> yes, it actually is literal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. It. So next thing that I'm keen to chat about is. Um, mm. I guess how uh, how to something that I love that you talk about is how to not unconsciously sexualize your child. So can you talk a bit about what mm. that means and how to not do that? Yeah, well, okay, I'll I'll start with some maybe examples. So mm-hmm. you know, one might assume that because um, I'm a erotic educator and quite awakened in my sexuality that I might be like really gung-ho with my little girl about you know her connecting with her yoni and you know um getting to know pleasure in her body and she's only six right um and I I am an advocate of I really feel like it should be a natural part of a natural part of our development so I've been really fortunate that my my little girl has always been really she's really enjoyed her body. She's always really enjoyed her body. But I consciously don't make a big thing out of it. <clears throat> I just because that's how I feel like we can sexualize our children by, you know, if they're just little and they they don't have they don't really have a concept of what sexual is or sexuality yet because they haven't reached that developmental stage. So if I'm pushing it on her, like, oh, we've got to be, you know, sex positive and having all these conversations and directing them at her or including her too much, then I think it could feel like a pressure and like, oh, what is this thing and what should I be doing? Um, And so what, 
the way I've gone about it is just to give her the space to enjoy her body however she likes to enjoy her body and she's always been connected to her yoni and she loves um, looking at it and and cleaning it and feeling it and it's it's often quite tickly and and cute and, and really nice for her but I I just make a point of not making a big deal out of it and letting it be a natural thing like being enjoying your body and knowing it does nice things in certain areas is cool and I think we can also sexualize our our kids by um a little bit too much of the oh is that your boyfriend like is that is that your little boyfriend ooh like that kind of thing as well or is that your little is that your little girlfriend it's like oh don't do that like they they're just they don't know what this thing is that they're experiencing it let's not layer up all of these things all of this meaning that comes from you know and and that's me coming from um you know for in in a sex positive way but there's other layering on of like you were saying before Freya about you know there could be layering on of some shame it could be religious shame it could just be that you know a, a parent thinks that you know vaginas and penises are a bit dirty you know and you shouldn't really touch them because they're a bit germy or so, you know you don't want to get germs in them or anything like that like we're trying parenting really consciously is it's a big job um and it's hard to not bring our conditioning to the table but i think if we do it with more awareness and educate ourselves more and get really comfortable in our bodies and with us with our sexuality then it it can be a much more uh, a natural it, it can feel much more natural for us to find our way with sharing in appro- at appropriate times, at appropriate de- developmental times, the information that they need at that point in time and in context. So, yeah, so I think, yeah, so I think we can, if we make a big deal out of sexuality in any way, either negative or overly positive shall we say like too much I think you can still have the same effect of sexualizing your kids when they're not sexual yet they're just bodies that feel nice yeah absolutely oh yeah I love what you're saying there and yeah the example of something as seemingly harmless or innocuous as like oh is that your boyfriend I hadn't even thought about that but I do see that a lot. I mean, I used to work in a kindergarten mm. and I did a lot of childcare, early learning stuff. And um, yeah, there was a lot of things like that, that I didn't really think twice about at the time. And now that you mentioned that, yeah, wow, totally. And that's a cool thing to be aware of because it's also a really, really approachable, simple, practical thing that parents can take on board just from this conversation and and notice and pull themselves up on you know it's like I do feel like mm. I mean I'm this my next question is going to be around how yeah how parents can kind of tackle this and I do think it's important for the parents to be doing the work on themselves but if they're still in the process of doing the work on themselves and they do still have layers of trauma and shame um, then there's at least a few little Mm. tweaks like that that's what they can start paying attention to and bringing in because um, I wanted to ask what your thoughts were on you know do you feel like parents need to have done all this work on themselves first before they can settle an example to their kids or can they be trying to kind of work on it for themselves at the same time as as bringing that into the home because a lot of my clients come and they say you know they're really concerned that their own shit and their own trauma and upbringing and um all of those kind of attitudes they took on from their parents or grandparents is having a negative impact or is going to have a negative impact on their kids. But obviously they're still in the process Mm. of kind of shedding all of that shit for themselves. And obviously it would be ideal if they had done the work before they had kids or whatever. And then they were like in a prime position to just completely body, mind and soul represent and role model a perfectly empowered sex positive 
way of being, but that's not realistic for mm. a lot of people, I guess. Um, so what are your no, thoughts on that? No. I think people should just start where they're at. I think doing things with with awareness is the is the biggest thing is um of course what parenting is uh uh when there's no such thing as perfect parent it's it is often trial by fire and a lot of mistakes um but i think when we can be aware of it and we can and if we are working on our own on our on whatever it is that we need to work on so that we can bring them a more uh, less trauma-filled or less misinformation-filled experience of life, then I think I think we're doing our best, really. And as we go along, we can learn more. I think it, I think the sexuality piece when you're bringing up kids is a really important one to take the time out to work out to to get some new skills as well. Go mm. to there's heap there's quite a few really good like Lily does the great courageous conversations one where she actually teaches um, parents the 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 words to say the questions to ask the ways to respond which is amazing um, because what what I mean and we do we want we we need our kids to trust us you know and so this is what this is something that's um, that I wanted to speak about as well as um, it's. It's a bit, and I know we are all at different stages in our, and on our own journey, but if we're saying to our children, love yourself, love your body, you know, be happy in your body, your body is beautiful, and but then they see us looking in the mirror going, oh, my God, I'm so fat. God, look at all my wrinkles. Oh, I'm so disgusting. Like We can't, that is very, very confusing information for our kids, you know, if we you know don't let them play with barbies because it's a because it's a negative imprint of you know of what a woman's body should look like and so we don't let them play with barbie dolls but yet but our own relationship with our body is so crap that that's what they're going to pick up on they're going to pick up totally. on how we feel about our bodies and how we talk to ourselves and what we talk how we talk about ourselves and our sexuality and our our, our self-care with our with our partner or our friends you know that's 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 where that information goes into their subconscious and so mm. it's very confusing if you're being that and then you're turning to your child and say saying the opposite of that it's so to try and be um yeah to to, to be to be doing the work and knowing that there's always layers to do there's going to be layers and layers and layers of it you know to to work with and but to to keep to keep doing it and to be aware of how we share this information and the message that we're giving to our kids is as much as we can do i think yeah big time and yeah we can only do what we can do but i think it is it's important to prioritize doing that work if 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 you've got that work to do mm. which most of us do um and it sort of never ends but yeah if you're a parent that's kind of i feel like you've got a responsibility to to try to pass down, especially if you've had some pretty negative conditioning around that from your family, breaking that cycle and passing down a whole different way yes. of, yeah, of looking at it. And like kids are sensitive. They can pick up on your energy and things that you think that they're not going to notice. It just even the way that you move or like look at yourself in the mirror, your body language, yep. they, they will pick up on that. And it might be on a subconscious level that they don't actually, you know, understand at the time, but it all makes a bit of an impact and kind of creates those layers. So it's, um, it's definitely important. I feel, I feel like a lot of my motivation to doing the work that I've been doing on myself is so that I can pass that down and break the cycle and be a more yeah. conscious parent. And, you know, there's, there's yep. so many layers like in my family around appearance and stuff. I think my Nana had my two of my aunties or at least one of them, I think she tried to get the other one to have a nose job when she was 16. And, you know, there was Holy eating disorders, what? there was oh diet pills. Yeah, wow. yeah, she had them on diet pills when they were like 12. And, you know, the <gasps> it was just so much vanity. Oh. And, oh, my yeah. God. I know. Wow, fucked that's up. Hectic. 
I know. I hope my mum doesn't listen to this and get up me. I mean, and mum, mum, um, <laughs> <laughs> she she wasn't like outwardly. I, I didn't really notice her being overly like appearance driven or vain or whatever. I definitely noticed it in my nana. She would comment on my appearance every time I went over there. Um, but wow, yeah, yeah. But mum wasn't like that. But you know, I could still, I can still. Little subtle things she did. You can still tell that obviously having a mum like mm. she did um, who cared so much about appearance and weight and height and how big her feet were, like everything, she criticised everything about herself um, and those oh. around her, I think. Yeah, and it, it had a really big oh. impact and so that just trickles down, you know, so if you can, if you can mm. break that cycle as much as possible. And the cool thing is, I just had a thought, you know, as you're doing the work on yourself, you're sort of, um, well, you know, you're setting the example and even if it doesn't feel like it's sticking or landing in you perfectly yet and you haven't nailed it yet, um, that's kind of setting a really beautiful example and role modelling that to your child and they're going to be subconsciously taking, you know, that effort that you're putting in as well you know the fact that you're worthwhile spending time yeah I mean I'm getting a bit mixed up in my own head because I had a few thoughts just like swim in at the same time but yeah (laughs) Mm. I'm um yeah really with you on that I think it's a worthwhile and noble quest you know because you're doing it for yourself but you're also your child is getting a benefit and you're giving them that transmission yeah Oh, absolutely. And they will see that, you know, kids are really forgiving. You know, they will, if you, so if you, and, and there will come a point where if there is anything that you need to re-explain to them, like, hey, I'm sorry, you know, sorry about, not even sorry, but just like this thing happened there. And I hope you can see that I've, I've been working with myself and I have this new information for you. So that if the communication with your kids mm. is really important the honest communication because they're not that they are very switched on and they do notice things that um that we don't think they notice but they also appreciate the honest conversation they might not be able to take it all in but they appreciate the being respected that you are share, trying to share this information with them and trying to and you're considering that, that, that this information is important for them for their growth and development. So totally. something I wanted to mention there, like something something I do, like just the really simple things that I do at home with Bethany is my little girl is like, you know, I'll, I get changed in front of her and around her. I'll wander around in my daggy undies and I um, we actually live in a little cabin nestled into the forest, so there's not any separate rooms. And so and I don't hide anything for her. When I have my period, I I put my tampons in or my pa- I do I do my menstrual stuff in front of her. I don't make yeah. a big deal out. I'm just like not like, hey, I've got my period. Check this out. I just do it. And sometimes she'll, she's looked over. <laughs> this is going to be you one day. No. Um, <laughs> she, she, there's been a couple of times where she's looked over and she's like, oh, what's that? And I'm like, oh, I've just got, I've just got my, my period. You know, women, women bleed from their vaginas every month. And she'll just be like, oh, yeah, cool. Like she's not grossed out. She's not freaked out. She, I'm just doing this natural, normal thing. And so the message that she's getting from that then, oh, yeah, cool, okay, women bleed so, and we do this thing and that's what happens and, oh, yeah, I've seen mum do that and she's comfortable with it and that's no yeah, big it's deal. No biggie. And so when it happens, <laughs> exactly, being naked is no biggie and, you know, sometimes I'll purposely, because um, I've got a lovely very jiggly bum and thighs and sometimes we have little dance-offs and, and things and I'll just <laughs> wiggle all of my cellulite with wobbly bums and, and, you know, and giggle and have a fun time and really enjoy my body and, and just be silly with it. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's but, yeah, so it's just like trying to normalise and, and all these different aspects of life and communicate with our kids and let them know it's cool, it's cool. It's natural. Yeah. It's healthy. It's all right. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. So good. Normalizing and just going about, you know, doing all this stuff in front of her. By the time she actually leads, it's, she's going to be so well prepared and she'll have had so many opportunities to see you doing that and ask about it and, you know, open the dialogue. Like there'll have been so many conversations beforehand that she'll, you know, mm. it just won't be this shocking, jarring, holy shit experience that it, yes. it is for so many menstruators. And I also think, you know, parents sometimes feel afraid that their children are going to ask them questions that they don't know the answer to because their sex education was dismally lacking and they're uncomfortable or, you know, it's confronting for them. So then they kind of avoid all the topics altogether Mm. or they shut down the question. Whereas I think it could be really helpful Mm. as just a little pointer, like if your kid asks you something and you don't know the answer to it, just tell, it's okay. Just be like, oh, I actually am not sure. Let's let's find out together. Let's discover this together and do a bit of research and chat about it you know yes absolutely yeah because they'll just go and find it themselves and as we know the internet is very accessible and as as pleasure educators and sex educators we know that lots of young people if they're not getting the information that they need or that they they, they're sus on the information that that they're getting is shit they'll just go Mm. and turn to porn yeah and they Oof. generally speaking, it's the free stuff, which is not the best stuff. You know, that's yeah. not the that's not education. That's that's giving the wrong message in so many ways. And so mm. I think we have to think about that as well. Like, where do we want our kids getting their information from? Mm. What do we want them to learn? Yeah, that's a, amazing. That's a that's a that's hopefully yeah, hopefully that would be enough kind of um, impetus to kind of go. Oh, okay, we need to kind of. Yeah, take responsibility and care about our kids and make sure that they, they've got the right information and not that um that, that harsh world of of porn. It's pretty free yeah. the free stuff is pretty like oof rough. Yeah. Rough absolutely. That's- and you know, <laughs> other peers at school, maybe they've had parents that have put certain ideas into their head. And I mean, yeah, if you're mm. not up for it and it's really confronting if you've got maybe a teenager, you know, maybe you've been comfortable talking about bodies and periods up until a certain age and then when they become teenagers and it's like a real possibility that they're actually going to start engaging in sexual Mm. activities, sounds so formal and fuddy-duddy, sexual activities, (laughs) Um, you know, and that's like, oh, fuck, I don't got this, you know, like where's the cool auntie? Yeah, think about like what sources you can provide for them or what people might be good to bring in, like bring in the big guns and and also just Mm, be like, I don't really know. Um, Don't be like, oh, don't talk Mm. about that with me and and show how like confronted and, and, you know, that will shame them. Just be like, hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I, like, I actually don't know if I'm the best person to speak to, but like, s- like stick with me and I'm going to find something for you or get the perfect person mm-hmm. to talk to, you know? And it really, yeah, yes. it's important because the alternative is like they are just falling into the clutches of mainstream labiaplastied yes. Yes. male as default porn. Oh. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. And yeah, we've seen that's not gotten us very far. At all. In fact, you know, no, it's still a bit backwards. So (laughs) definitely need a quantum leap in um in education. Yeah. Yeah. It's happening slowly. It is, yeah. Slowly. It's happening. You're getting there. And um and Mm. so if you could kind of distill uh, just a few really practical tips or bits of advice or things that um a parent could start implementing in their household what would you offer, you know, as a place to begin? What are some things that you make sure you implement in your household? Uh, any tips and, and tricks that you've got for us? I think the first, I think the first one is to, is body, body confidence and body comfortability. And, and it, for, for the naked form to be a natural a natural state of being and so just being either being aware to not be really highly critical of yourself when you're around children about your body um and and also with them just allowing them to be to feel comfortable in their in their bodies i think that's um comfortable will will eventually turn to confidence in their bodies um and help them from a young age 
to know how their body works, you know, um, at, at, you know, at the certain stages. So, for, for example, like when Bethany was, I think she might have only been like two and a half or three, she said to me, where does the we come out? And she was looking down and I was like, she's like, does it come out of, of um out of that bit, which is her vaginal opening. And I was like, no, it doesn't actually. There's another little hole just up. And she's and I said, do you want to have a look? And so she's like, yeah. So we got a mirror and she sat, she sat over it and we just opened the labia up a little bit. And I was like, there's a little tiny bit there, it comes out there. And that was that. And she was like, oh cool. And that was that. And it wasn't mm. it, it wasn't weird. Yep. So things like that, you know, if your kids got questions, like you said, if you don't know, then don't pretend that you do or get weird about it. Just tell them you'll find out. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think, yeah, tell them you'll find out or, or tell them what you know. Um, and as, just be aware of, of, of shaming and, um, and your, I guess your own, becoming more aware of your own, the way that you talk and the way that you speak so that it's it's not sending a negative message so that that's some self-awareness that would be really good mm, and yeah. find find that if you if you know if you know that this makes you feel uncomfortable or it's going to then find the resources and the support to to make it easier for yourself so that it's easier on them as well um mm. i think so yeah body, body positive body positive body comf- being comfortable um and then not I'm really I'm really big on not sexualizing kids not not mm. making what they're doing a sexual thing at all like it's because yeah. when up until the point that they actually hit puberty they're not sexual beings it doesn't mm. matter if they're sitting there with their finger in their fanny or playing with their the end of their their penis then it's not sexual so don't yeah. sexualize it yeah yeah, and I get asked a lot, what do I do when I find my kid touching their genitals or self-pleasuring? So, like, what's some advice you could give parents how, how to respond when that happens? Smile. <laughs> Smile yeah. and just let them let them continue on. Um, yeah. You know, it's, and it, depends about- on the, it depends on the context. Yeah. I mean, if you're out at the cafe with your friends and you and they've got their bits out and they it's like, you know, okay, maybe you know we're in public, so this isn't the most ideal place for that. So, you know, at home is okay. Um, so it's definitely context. Mm, yeah, <laughs> that well. was going to be my next question. You know, what if it's in public or at childcare? Because you know, I had one one person tell me that their uh, kid who's in childcare was self-pleasuring and they were pretty um annoyed with how the child care providers reacted to it but you know like what mm. do you do in that in that position and and what language do you use so that you're not um in inadvertently shaming them yeah i think with that i think you just have to explain that um the that these the those parts of our body um for the at least when we're children they're still I know we don't like as an adult we don't like to call them our privates because it can feel like we're kind of cut off from them but as little kids um letting just letting them know that at home and with with safe people whoever your safe people are um it's okay you know there's Mm. but but in public there's lots there's lots of different people people have different ideas and um so it's those those parts of your body are for you and they're totally natural and normal but not everyone is has the same um has the same idea you know so I mean you don't want to scare the shit out of them either and talk start (laughs) talking about pedophiles and you know know, creepy sex people you don't you don't yeah it's it's very tricky but I think if you just um yeah let them know that without it in a shaming way at all, just let them know that it's the, the those public spaces and around other people aren't the most ideal places to be, um, yeah, feeling that yeah. kind of pleasure. It's okay at home but not out and about. Mm. Yeah, yeah, great. That's really helpful, I'm, I'm sure, to a lot of people because that's a super common one that crops up and I think most parents are going to have to deal with that moment. Um, so before we wrap mm. up, I'm going to just uh, shoehorn in a little segment called TMI. We love it. 
Um, and I've got a little spiel that goes with this segment because I just want to explain that it is, you know, it's designed as a place to share the stories that would usually be considered too much information for public consumption. And I really want to relabel this TMI as too much inspiration because I believe I that. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I reckon the concept of TMI is really unhelpful and it's just perpetuating the stigma and the shame around sex and bodies and womanhood and periods bodily functions, you know, it's often, ooh, TMI. So my intention here is just to create a safe shame and judgment-free space to openly talk about all of the TMI juiciness to help inspire, demystify, empower, and help dismantle shame and taboo around things like orgasm and periods and masturbation and, you know, fantasies and things like that. Um, and so it could just be a funny story or an embarrassing thing that's happened or it could be a really vulnerable <laughs> share. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, I just want to say that, you know, even though this is something that I find really helpful and quite empowering to kind of remove some of the shame around talking about this stuff openly, it's not for everyone. And I really hate that whole like spirit community, peer pressuring culture around being, you know, brave and courageous enough to, um, you know, do things that make you feel uncomfortable and break free of the shackles of your ego and liberate mm. yourself from fears and insecurities. And it's just so uh, rife in self-development and spiritually consciously mm. kind of, you know, all those sort of types of circles. And I've often mm. found it pretty judgy and shamey and it makes me feel like I'm not fucking woke enough if I don't want to like do whatever, you know, drink whatever cup of Kool-Aid wow. they're having. So I find yes. it, you know, equally inspiring to say no and choose not to participate. And so with all of that being said, do you or do you not have a TMI story for us? Oh, God, I've got heaps of them. But the one that keeps coming to mind <laughs> is um, <laughs> I'm, I don't even know if this is quite juicy enough, but I'm going to tell it anyway. So <laughs> yeah. um, I... <laughs> I um, was and still aren't really a, a massive fan of vibrators for myself personally, right? So I don't mind whoever else loves the vibrator. It's all good. Um, but anyway, so I was on my happily wandering on my self-pleasure journey um, and having a good old time with myself. And I was at this, I was at a point where I was um, self-pleasuring and having these <laughs> epic fucking orgasm states of like blissful expanded orgasms like twice a day. It was so good um, and very kind of sexually sensitive and all that kind of stuff. And anyway, so I was staying at a friend's house and um, <laughs> and, and I was having a bath and they were out at work and I was having a bath and um, in their place. And I was just playing with all this, she had this, all this fancy stuff in the bath. It was fancy, all different things. And she had this, <laughs> she had this one like vibrating, this vibrating like face, facial brush. And when you press the button, the whole thing vibrated and it was ergonomic and everything. So it fitted nice. It was, had smooth, smooth handle, fitted nice in your hand and everything. And it had these two, two rotating layers of brushes going in opposing directions and it was supposed to be for your face, right, for you to, to scrub your face. And I pressed it, turned it on, and it was like and the brushes were going and I was like, oh, I know what I want to do with this fucking thing. So, <laughs> so I get out of the bath, <clears throat> I get out of the bath and I go and set myself up in her, she had this just tiny little flat, went in, made this beautiful little nest for myself, thinking I was going to have this nice, long self-pleasure session like I usually do, and set up the space and got all relaxed and made myself feel good, did the all-over body touched and, and put on this buzzy little face facial cleansing brush and put it on my clit and it was just like, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> in my 30 seconds or something, had this <laughs> massive but really fast and really weird orgasm. 
And I and I was just like, what the fuck? What just <laughs> happened? Like this, like normally I take ages and the orgasm is like this rolling, expansive wave, like, oh, like meditation, blah, blah, blah. And it was just like bang, 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 boom. And I was like, <laughs> what I don't I, wow, that was really weird. And then I was like straight back to it. But then I couldn't get the brush to work again. <laughs> I couldn't, I was broken. Like I couldn't get the brushes to go around again anyway. So I had to tell a little fib to my friend when she got home. I was like, ah, I was just trying to use your brush on my face and then uh, I don't know what's happened to it. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> that's why too much information. <laughs> oh, I love I that. I vibrator again. it's just it's too quick for me it's too quick I I like a bit more a little bit more time spent yeah a bit of whining and dining (laughs) you know what I reckon your friends probably took one look at you and knew exactly (laughs) what had gone down you're not fooling anyone oh maybe well she didn't say anything she never has anyway she did get it fixed but uh yeah she never said anything but yeah well let's hope that she doesn't hear these podcasts then <laughs> oh, I, I don't think she will <laughs> thanks that's a good question that one I like it yeah. Oh, thanks for a fabulous answer. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to um, all the stories that are co- going to come out with that segment. It's a little bit fun. <gasps> oh, oh, it's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, me too. I'm tuning in for sure. <laughs> yeah, epic. Um, and just before we wrap up, I, I, um, I kind of want like my idea of, oh, I suppose, an intention or an ethos behind this podcast is, you know, like I want people to realize that they're not they're not broken and they're normal and probably whatever they're experiencing and feeling very alone in is actually quite common. And so I want to ask everyone who comes on, you know, what are some things that you hear through your work that crop up that people are struggling with um, that are actually really common, but that they feel like they're you know they're alone in and it and they're broken or they're not normal. Do you get stuff that you hear a lot? Yeah, I do. So one of the big ones for um, for heterosexual people is that they they feel like there's something wrong with them because they can't orgasm from penetration. I yep. hear it over and over and over and over and over again. And um, orgasms don't happen from penetration. And I think uh, that's <clears throat> that'd be a great. I can't wait until more women are aware of that, that it's it, the orgasm become comes from within from arousal. It doesn't come, it doesn't happen because something is penetrated into the vaginal canal, you know, and I think <clears throat> that's a very common one. So, yeah, knowing that we need a warm-up and we've got different zones and each woman likes a different thing, um, before we can even start to get to the point where orgasm will happen. I think that's really, really important for for Mm. everyone to know. Yeah. Um, And I think, I think it's also, it's, it's just very, still very common that women don't know their pleasure anatomy. They don't know that um, there's more to their, to their pleasure and to their, their yoni and their vagina other than the clitoris. So yeah. there's still a lot of people who don't know that and there's still a lot of um, people who, who are, are not aware of the full, even the full anatomy of the clitoris, you know, that there's a, a glands yeah. and a shaft and legs and bulbs. So that I think that, that basic information is really important to share, those two things. Uh, totally. That's what I hear the most a lot. 
Mm, yeah. 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 And if, if mm. women had that, or, you know, not just women, but if everyone had that information and, you know, even just a basic understanding of female anatomy and arousal processes, uh, they wouldn't be feeling broken. <laughs> they wouldn't be like, what's wrong with me? I can't orgasm through penetration or like, I don't feel good when yeah. blah, 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 because, you know, they would <coughs> actually understand there's very, very explainable reason for that. And it's not that they're, it's actually that their body is functioning exactly how it's designed and none of us fucking know yep. how to work with that so yeah awesome exactly. I totally yep. totally yeah back that and one more thing if I may um yeah. I think I think for, for after birth I think there's there is a there is a belief that six weeks after you've given birth should you should be back on the pony you should be having <laughs> sex should be able to have sex by then and I think a lot of people think that if they're not having comfortable, lovely sex six weeks after birth, then there's something wrong with them. And that's just like, oh, God, no, that, that's mm. crazy, actually. It's crazy because so many different things happen through the birthing process. Um, I think mm. Jenny Blythe once said to me, or maybe she said it at the Yoni Mapping is that training, is that um, your postpartum period is nine, at least nine months you gestated for nine months, you birthed, and then your postpartum period should be expected to be nine months. So everything's going to be mm. different and new. And but to particularly to think that you're going to have nice a nice sexual experience again six weeks after birth is unrealistic. So let's mm. break that conditioning because yes. it's not true. Yeah, that's an awesome one. Thank you for bringing that up. That's such a thing. And I haven't personally pushed out a bubba yet, but I see clients a lot like postnatally. And yeah, I, I do hear that mm -hmm. as well. They're, they're really concerned because there's this sort of societal expectation about getting back on the horse mm. or getting your body back or whatever. And they're just like, oh my God, mm. <laughs> you know, am I ever mm. going to be the same? And what's why haven't I bounced back like you know expected so that's a really valuable one thank you for bringing that up and thank you for being oh, a guest on my new <gasps> podcast you're the second person I've thank ever you. interviewed and it's been a riot <laughs> it is it's been so fun talking to you and I love your work and thanks for bringing all of this information in the form of a podcast it's so so needed so hooray here's to quantum leaping the sex education <laughs> yeah fuck yeah well if you lot Ooh. want to get more of carlin which you definitely should she goes by carlin digitalis and her instagram is the erotic alchemist and her website i'll pu put it all in the show notes but um sacred alchemy is that right your website yeah, .com.au. Yep. Beautiful. All right. Awesome. Ripper, awesome. well, Yay. I'll chat to you soon. Awesome. <laughs> Lots of love. Thank you. And that's it, darling hearts. Thank you for stopping by the Labia Lounge. Your bum groove in the couch will be right where you left it, just waiting for you to sink back in for some more double L action next time. And in the meantime, if you'd be a dear and subscribe, share this episode or leave a review on iTunes, then you can pat yourself on the snatch because that, my dear, is a downright act of sex-positive feminist activism. And you'd be supporting my vision to educate, empower, demystify, and destigmatize with this here podcast. Also, I'm always open to feedback, topic ideas that you'd love to hear covered, or guest suggestions. So feel free to get in touch via my website at freyograph.com or say hey over on Insta. My handle is Freya underscore graph underscore YMT and I seriously hope you're following me on there because damn, we have fun. We have fun. Anyway, later labial legends. I'll see you next time. <laughs>